The Start. On Demand. On Demand. The Emergencies Act is being debated in Ottawa today as police increased their presence and started putting up fencing as they begin to move in on protesters. Is your car needing repairs? You might be waiting a while if so, because what else? The supply chain is causing problems as it pertains to getting parts. Todd Talbot, the co-host of HGTV's Love It or List at Vancouver, joined us because he's in town this weekend for the Winnipeg Renovation Show. And we had some really heartwarming stories today as we discussed the unique ways the people we love and miss remind us that they're still with us. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, February 17th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, much to discuss this morning as always, but I just, I need to very quickly follow up on the the controversy that we just heard in Jeff Braun's newscast as it pertains to the Wordle. Mackling, can you, do you concur with what what was just heard, that people are up in arms? I have not experienced uh, that with the, there's maybe two or three people that I, converse with on a regular basis about the wordle i don't remember cynic so i'm wondering if i'm caught in one of these alternate universes they were talking about in terms of maybe you might be getting uh, different word lists and playing a different game so that's gonna upset some people i like the fact that the words are a little bit more difficult the last few days i have no complaints imagine that I, I can't imagine it. I, I found the last couple of days really hard. And then another thing I've stumbled on, just to get you down another rabbit hole, Greg, have you done Nerdle, which is a math equation? No chance, Sunday. Oh, I've been doing it. And I'm road. like, why? Three plus nine. Is it? It is 12. Like, it's, <laughs> you have to create this long equation. And I, I find myself in these moments of, why am I doing this to myself? But I still like it. I'm still on board with it all. Nerdle. Nerdle. Nerdlegame.com, the yep. daily. Okay, it's mm. just the same as Wordle, the same idea, I but still... with 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 numbers, which you know I'm not good at. <laughs> I still haven't tried Wordle. Never mind Nerdle. So I wonder how many other iterations are out there. I'm Wait curious. till you do Turtle. It's matching turtle pictures, and then <laughs> Hurdle. You have to turtle over things. There's all sorts of games coming your way, McGarry. Uh, hurdle would be bad. That would just be a series of Brett face planting. <laughs> His way down the hallway. Um, Just as long as we don't get to hurl, then we'll be all right. (laughs) So uh, we are going to be, in our next half hour, talking about um, the perimeter, Greg. Brett, uh, do you feel like this was our very first topic? Yeah. When we started our afternoon <laughs> show years ago? Yeah. The perimeter highway and the and the number of uh, stoplights or traffic signals on the Trans-Canada Highway in Manitoba. And so here we are five, six years later, and the perimeter highway is a source of 
consternation for a lot of people. I think now for different reasons, we've acknowledged the fact that this is such a critical piece of infrastructure. The province has gone to great lengths to close off some of those dangerous left turns that were all over the perimeter highway. They've announced and will start construction on that interchange at St. Mary's Road this spring. So that's in the offing. And the commitment is there, but it sounds as though the commitment sort of starts and stops with the the grand plans the the large vision as uh, maintenance on a day-to-day business uh, on a day-to-day basis rather has uh, come up a, as an issue uh, courtesy of city councilor Janice Lukes Loren so we know I mean obviously this has just been a crazy year for weather and wind and it's just been not just a lot of snow but it's been a lot of really extremely cold days and so it's been a challenging period to just get things clean on our driveways, let alone the highways. But there's experts who are called in to do, to do this kind of thing. And the perimeter has closed, I think it's four times. Maybe, maybe it's just three. But I don't remember the last time the perimeter was closed even once in the winter, let alone the number of times we've seen this year. And so Janice Lukes has put a post on Facebook and spoke to the news yesterday. We're going to play some of her audio at 637 to basically talk about the idea that the perimeter in – for as far as she can tell, doesn't have 24-7 maintenance or in any other season, in winter or summer, and that the maintenance only occurs over a 12-hour period, basically during, you know, 4 a.m. to late in the afternoon. And so she's asking the question, can we do better? Should we do better? We also put an ask out to the highways department to get their response to this. They weren't able to accommodate an interview request, but we're waiting to see if they can clarify some things for us. But do you find, if you're out on the perimeter this winter, has it been worse than usual? Can we... Should we be doing more? Do we want to be paying to be more to do more would be another part of the equation. And or can you just say, you know what, it's winter and sometimes some winters are just really gonna suck. That's coming up at 637, and you can feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868. And I just I need to mention this because I'm I'm all thrown off, I'm all rattled. I are Greg, I don't know if you're the same, but uh, if one thing gets goes off the rails, my whole routine is out of whack. Our printer isn't working for some reason, so I can't print our schedule, our lineup for this morning, and it's got me completely discombobulated. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Would you like a baseball bat? Yes. Because <laughs> I can drop one off for you if you'd like. I've got aluminum and wood, so you can choose your weapon. Uh, but maybe call maintenance and, and engineering before you do that. But yes, I, I, I confess that sometimes if I step off on the wrong foot, it can really send my day down a spiraling, oh, I don't even know what to say. Just it can send it spiraling downward very quickly. So uh, Office space just... that printer. You need to take it outside and like drop kick it. I would love to with the baseball bat do the macho man Randy Savage elbow drop from the top rope on this stupid thing. Like it won't even turn on. I just anyway. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to see if I was alone there. If if, you, if you, one little thing can that set you off down the wrong path. Is this my country? I pay taxes. No, I'll stay wherever I want. That, Loren, is the sound of a defiant protester in Ottawa. Yeah, so as the Emergencies Act aims to end occupying protests in the capital, Ottawa police have started handing out paper pamphlets to lingering protesters, warning them to leave the city 
or face possible arrest. That Emergencies Act is going to be debated further in the House today. But as Global's Abigail Beeman reports, despite the messages, despite that debate, many occupiers are refusing to budge. This is going against the law. Some protesters didn't mind telling police they weren't happy with these warnings. But what about the people of Ottawa? I'm a person of Ottawa. Others stuck them here. By late afternoon, the warning seemed to turn just a few wheels, but didn't stop the street pig roast, nor the noise, even though a judge just extended the injunction against honking. don't need to go and arrest these people and make these struggles out. We need a prime minister to put his boots on, come and walk and talk with us peacefully. We don't want to hurt him. Protesters remain defiant. A police warning doesn't change things. A criminal offense? I don't think it's a criminal offense to be uh, here uh, protesting. This is just fear-mongering. We are peaceful. Came two weeks ago and then we're coming back again on this weekend. Selena Halma says she was fired from her nursing job at an Ontario hospital for not declaring her vaccination status. I'm not scared of being here because A, it's peaceful. B, this is what we stand for and it's no time to step down now. The new police chief warned what's to come will be something people in Ottawa are not used to seeing. And the local Children's Aid Society put out a warning urging parents to make alternate child care arrangements in case they're not able to care for their children after any police activity. CAS promising to help reunite families if kids and parents get separated. Boy, I'd like to get into one hell of a fight that they're using their children as human shields out there to try to keep us from doing our job, which is protecting Canadians. It's disgraceful. Under the order, Canadians continue to be allowed to come to Ottawa with their children if they choose to engage in peaceful, lawful protest. Protest organizers push back against the government, continuing to call for more backup. Please come. Your country needs you, and we need your support. But calling this a press conference, How do you feel about thank you guys for your service. They get up and leave without answering a single question. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. Yesterday, MPs gathered in the House of Commons to debate the use of the Emergency Act, which still requires a vote in both Parliament and the Senate. That debate prompted one Conservative MP to later demand an apology from the Prime Minister after this exchange. If Canadians are to trust their government, their government needs to trust Canadians. Those are the words of the Prime Minister in 2015. These people, very often misogynistic, racist, women haters, science deniers, the fringe. Same Prime Minister six years later as he fans the flames of an unjustified national emergency. So, Mr. Speaker, when did the Prime Minister lose his way? When did it happen? Mr. Speaker, Conservative Party members can stand with people who wave swastikas. They can stand with people who wave uh, the Confederate flag. We will choose to stand with Canadians who deserve to be able to get to their jobs, who be able to get their lives back. These illegal protests need to stop, and they will, Mr. Speaker. So the Member of Parliament in that exchange you heard is Melissa Lantzman. She's the descendant of Holocaust survivors. And according to the Globe and Mail, she later asked for an apology, but the Prime Minister had already left the House. The Globe asked for further comment, which the PMO uh, referred to Family Family Minister Karina Gould, who is also a descendant of Holocaust survivors. Gould responded by urging everyone to, quote, take a step back, but then also said some Conservative MPs had supported protesters who wanted to overthrow the government, Loren. 
So there were early on in the protests some flags with swastikas spotted on Parliament Hill. I think there were, there were even images here in Winnipeg, which those flags later were removed. There were also some using the Star of David or comparing vaccine mandates to the persecution of Jews uh, by Nazis. We've heard that before. But there were also protesters, including some of the organizers, who outright denounced these views and these images. And so the question we're asking this morning is, how do you feel about what the prime minister had to say? Is this further dividing things? Is there some accuracy there? Is it unfair? Is there labeling going on? Let us know. 780-6868. But we are going to talk about the perimeter highway and the fact that it's been closed a few times this year and the snow and the maintenance uh, that we've seen this season so far. But before that, uh, just quickly want to revisit what we discussed in our last half hour about the, the heated debate going on in the House of Commons, Loren, because uh, the, the the varying, the contrasting reaction we're getting at 204-780-6868 kind of it falls in line with the division in the House. Absolutely. So we played this exchange at 6.15 between Conservative MP Melissa Lantzman and Prime Minister Trudeau. She was comparing comments he had made in 2015 that were hopeful and optimistic about the future with comments he has made recently about protesters, essentially saying to him, you know, when have you lost your way? That prompted Trudeau to reply, quote, Conservative Party members can stand with people who wave swastikas, people who wave Confederate flags. We stand with Canadians who deserve to get their jobs back. We asked your reaction to that. Robert, right out of the gate, said he is the worst and most divisive PM in Canadian history. So sad an election is so far away. Hopefully the conscience of some Liberal and NDP members will oust him soon. Chris feels differently in response to the fact that there were some Conservative MPs early on supporting the protest. Chris says, I will never vote Conservative again. Thank you. So in the exact same second, two texts came in, both feeling very differently about those words and what was said. Feel free to continue to weigh in. 204-780-6868. Also to those who weighed in, uh, and many of you did, um, I mentioned earlier the printer won't even turn on. Yes, it, I checked to see that it was plugged in. I unplugged it. Plug- <laughs> I plugged oh, it no. back in. Power off. Power on. <laughs> I pulled the cord out from the back of the printer, plugged it back in. Uh, beyond that, I don't know what else I can do with it other than smash it. So... Uh, which I would very much love to do. It has become a critical part of the daily transportation plan for thousands of Manitobans, whether they live inside the city or in one of the burgeoning bedroom communities outside the city. We are, of course, talking about the perimeter highway, Brat, and we have seen the highway close completely at least three times this winter due to snow, wind, visibility, and icy conditions. City Councillor for Waverly West is Janice Lukes, and yesterday... Luke's expressed her concerns for the overall safety of the south perimeter in particular. A great portion of the Waverly West Ward abuts the south perimeter and many residents use the south perimeter to zip back and forth east and west. The perimeter was designed in the 1950s using engineering techniques and programs based in the 50s. It was built in 1955, has seen a tremendous increase in volume. One thing that wasn't planned for in 1955 was the fact that part of the perimeter was going to become a multimodal global transportation link to Centreport. So we have an old designed and old engineered perimeter. The province is doing upgrades to it, but it's going to take decades to bring it up to today's current engineering safety and volume standards. So the councillor for Waverly West, Janice Lukes, first raised this 
issue in a social media post yesterday and then joined Julie and Schuyler on the news yesterday afternoon to expand on her concerns. And a 13-kilometer stretch between Highway 330 going to LaSalle and the St. Anne's intersection, 13 kilometers. It averages between 25 and 30,000 vehicles a day. And in that stretch, I called and got stats from 911, anywhere from 40 to 80 uh, 911 calls a year. And I think quite confidently 911 calls on the perimeter probably involve carnage. So the perimeter is, of course, it's a provincial highway. So that means it's provincial crews who are responsible for clearing it. Luke's pointed to this from the province of Manitoba's website, where it says that the maintenance activities are normally conducted during daylight hours when visibility is best. Typically, snow clearing operations in winter begin as early as 4 a.m. with the intent of clearing the main routes prior to the morning rush hour during or following snow ice events. Staff will continue operations until the roads are in good driving condition or health and safety shift limits are reached. It goes on to say only in rare instances will snow clearing continue through the night. Yeah, Luke's uh, continues and says there is one 12-hour shift of maintenance operation, which means maintenance does not occur 24-7 on the south perimeter. That's clearly the case all around the approximately 90-kilometer roadway. Brett, Loren, this is a piece of infrastructure which is clearly a priority for the province, at least on the functionality side. A new interchange was built just a few years ago at 59 North and the North Perimeter, and one is planned for the intersection of St. Mary's Road. And the construction on that interchange, in fact, will uh, get started this spring. And the province has also closed a number of dangerous turns, closed uh, intersections that were very, very dangerous. And of course, Ethan Boyer Way has been constructed as a new access road to the Brady Landfill. But I guess the question for Luke's and the question would be for me as well, where is the commitment to the day-to-day, hour-to-hour maintenance of this road? So I reached out to the province after seeing this post to see if they could come on to respond to what Luke's had to say there um, to clarify how often it is cleared, how the operations work, to respond to basically her post that we've been sharing with you and some of her comments. They declined that offer. Um, They said they were going to issue a statement. I haven't received that yet, but we'll share it with listeners when we do get it. I think the question, Brett, is, you know, first of all, I do want to know what the actual rules are. I know what it says on their website, and I know what I've seen when I've been out on the perimeter, but how often are they out there? And and then, is it fair to say, even if they were out there 24 hours a day is it possible that in a winter like this one you're just going to have some days that you just can't keep up that's what daryl pointed out at 204-780-6868 daryl says i spend my days driving our provincial roads and highways it's winter i'm amazed at people complaining of it being not continually clear because i have seen it be cleaned only to see it then blown in a half hour later I wonder what traffic volume was when the perimeter was built versus now. But, hey, there are only so many pieces of equipment. And, you know, it's almost like we were forgetting winters of the past. And that's a great point. I mean, with the, the we've had some crazy mornings in the last three weeks with the wind and the blowing snow. And uh, it doesn't take long for, the, for that snow to – because it's just wide open. So – yeah, of course it's going to get blown in. So uh, it is tricky, Greg. I mean, we you know we would like to see more maintenance of it or more cleaning, but at the same time, uh, for a plow to go down the road and then just have it blown in a half hour later, almost it some it kind of feels almost pointless at times. 
Yeah, no question. And and those are extraordinary circumstances, I would argue. Uh, my question would be, are we doing the best we can do? And then subsequent to that, what is the plan? We tried to question the RCMP on this with regard to what does it take to close the highway over safety concerns? Do we need, if we're going to admit and suggest that, hey, sometimes we just can't keep up, we're doing everything we can, we can't keep up then do we need clearer restrictions or regulations with regard to when that highway gets closed so people can plan their transportation, plan their trips appropriately without having to uh, roll the dice when there's a 60 kilometer an hour wind out of the south. I, I just I just feel like there's there's good, better, best, and we're sort of stuck between good and better. Greg, why don't you set up the topic for us? Well, today would have been my mom's 71st birthday. And so uh, 20 years ago in August, uh, she passed away. So obviously, uh, Brett, you know this. Uh, there are days that are easier and days that are more difficult when it comes to uh, remembering our moms. And, and today is a little bit of a mixed bag, but it started yesterday for me. Loren, I think it was... Tuesday, you woke up, you thought it was Wednesday. Yep. And yesterday, I thought it was the 17th of February. <laughs> and so, as uh, I've mentioned, and you guys tease me a little bit about the fact I go in and get the, my little Tim's run in the morning, even though I'm not coming into the studio, I like to get outside, see what's going on. I'll make my little run around the perimeter, check out the highway, etc. Anyway, uh, Jackie's uh, vehicle has the uh, command start, so I use that in the morning. And I climbed into the vehicle and pressed the start button, uh, you know, to turn on the radio and everything. And isn't share if I could turn back time blaring over the radio. Well, my mom loved share. We went to Cher's Malibu house the second time we were in California. Oh. The first time we were in California in 76, we sought out her house in Beverly Hills. My mom slept overnight to see Cher in concert. She went to Toronto pregnant on the train to see Sunny. Like Cher is everything. And so there was Cher and I yelled at my mom. I didn't forget Joanne. Mm -hmm. Then I had a good laugh. Then I had a good cry. And then I thought about all the different ways, the people that we love, the people that we miss that aren't with us anymore, remind us, hey, don't forget about me. So that's what you need to do is tell us a story at 204-780-6868. The unique or freaky ways the people we miss remind us that they're still with us. Or the random things that just remind us in a good way of loved ones that we miss. So let's uh, go around the horn here. Um, Mr. Poitras, how about we start with you, sir? Um, well, uh, my grandfather passed away, um, in April, it'll be nine years. Um, and so like my mom has like a little shrine to him at her place and it's, it's uh, a safety razor and the, the brush, you know, like the old soap and soap it up and brush it on your neck and all over the place and, and a safety razor and, um, I recently was just kind of shopping around at Superstore and I was walking in around the aisle and I saw this, the safety razor and the brush and stuff like that. And I thought, uh, it was like one of the things that I, cause he never gave that up all throughout his life. He never, ever gave that up. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do the same thing. So I went and bought it and, and I've been using it and it's just like, 
a nice thing that I have whenever whenever I shave. I, I have a beard, but like I shave my neck and stuff like that. It's like a little thing. It's like, hey, Papa, I'm still doing I'm I'm carrying this on. You know, I'm I'm uh, it's just it's a nice little thing that that uh, is like the biggest one of the biggest things that I remember about him. And it's like, but I, I now I get to do it. And, yeah, it's just it's it's just something nice. So, how, how do you like it for shaving? Oh, it's I'm never going back. I mean, we these these disposable pieces of crap that we've been lied to and told that we need to buy. I mean, no safety rays. It's all the way. It's not even close. <laughs> never going back. Uh, Jeff Braun, how about you? Uh, quick JB fun fact: Never used a blade of any sort on my face. I've only ever used electric uh, razors. I, I use an electric too. Fill a shave. Very smart. every single time smart. since you were a teenager. Uh, I, I once did the, the, actually, I think it's called Braun, uh, brand, uh, like the foil razor, (laughs) the foil electric razor. And then, uh, I tried, I tried to, you know, to use the, the, like the, a blade before, but it's just so messy. So yeah, my hand's too shaky. I'll just cut myself. Anyways, um, (laughs) my, my story revolves around food. I imagine a lot of people would have a food related story. And at Christmas time, my mom and I were kind of trying to force it because my grandma, rest in peace, used to make the most delicious little cinnamon buns and donuts and my mom has the recipes and try as she might year in year out just cannot crack the code grandma did something special that's not in that recipe that made those things turn out a little bit different just a little bit differently like the ones my mom makes they're good but the ones my grandma made were just the best things i've ever tasted in my life so every now and then mom will get in the kitchen like well let's see if we can't make those cinnamon buns like grandma made and some, grandma took some secret with her to her grave, but uh, it's fun trying, right? So it's fun, yeah. I mean, it, it could be very well the exact same ingredients too, right? Just maybe the technique is it's different. I don't know. The love is missing. Well, the, love. the way Grandma was, I wouldn't be surprised if she fudged something on that recipe just to throw everyone off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Loren, what about you? Uh, there's so many things, you know. I all when my grandma passed away, the only thing I I took from her was uh, we split apart. I don't know if you're supposed to do this, but pieces of her rosary. Uh, she was just a wonderful, fun, awesome woman. Who every time I have a rum and coke, I think of her. But I often just rub the pieces of that rosary for good luck. I'll keep them in my purse or coat, depending on where I'm going or what I'm doing. My uncle Carl, I have a piece of his shirt that uh, is the same sort of thing. It's more just seeing it, and it was this gingham he always wore, like sort of just certain kind of shirts that I remind me of him but I also had a friend pass away when he was 31 of brain cancer and he was just like the life of the party so much fun so smart so clever and he loved Michael Jackson and I swear to you at the funniest times you know when you're just having one of those days same with you Greg turning on the radio suddenly Billy Jean will be blaring and it's sort of this reminder of that if he could dance right now man he'd be dancing and he can't right and I think it's sometimes this perspective that you think of of all the things that you've lost, but also how lucky you are to be here. And so Michael Jackson, man, I hear Michael Jackson and I, I think of him and I think of uh, the way he'd be hitting that dance floor and we should all be trying that a little more. Well, that's terrific. We have a comment here at 204-780-6868 from somebody saying, my grandma passed away when I was in grade six. I'm 38 now and I still use her blanket. It's barely holding together, Aww. but I still use it. So Love that's it. that's cool. Have you taken your car into the shop lately for a tune-up, had something break down, and called your mechanic only to discover the part you need is not available? 
So if you're nodding your head, maybe while you're even behind the wheel right now, you are definitely not alone, not just here in Winnipeg, but right across the continent. Whether your car is domestic-made, foreign-made, the supply chain has been severely interrupted, with some parts taking weeks, even months to arrive, not just days. Trevor Newdorf is the owner of West Perimeter Auto Service and joins us now. Good morning, Trevor. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm well, thank you. And thank you for getting up early with us. I know you're already on the go. Um, What kind of parts are in short supply? Like, what are we seeing on the shelves or not seeing on the shelves, perhaps? Uh, It seems to be a little bit of everything. Uh, Mechanical parts are still fairly readily available. Uh, It's the body shop parts that we're seeing a lot of trouble with. Um, and it's it's gotten better over the last little while, but with current events, it's uh, it's kind of stopped that uh, momentum again. Trevor, we've had a couple of comments, and now I've noticed it: people driving their vehicles with damage that is is sort of eh, I wouldn't say obviously their their vehicles are able to be driven, but I would suggest that in a perfect world, people wouldn't be driving these vehicles with the damage that they have in them, missing side view mirrors and bumpers and all sorts of different things. How long is the wait on certain parts? Um, we've seen waits on on kind of weird stuff uh, of up to six months. We've had vehicles that have sat uh, and can't be put back together because they're integral parts uh, that, that you can't get to unless you have the vehicle apart. Uh, and anywhere from three to four weeks is kind of the normal now. So it's getting, it used to be two to three days. For the cars that are having to sit for six months, what are those drivers doing in the interim? Well, we've supplied a few of our drivers with courtesy cars. Um, MPI has helped in certain part situations with rentals. Um, but a lot of our customers have just been super patient and, and uh, helped us out in a big way that way. So. Because of this, the delays in the part supply issue, Trevor, like are people driving around in cars that it might be older or hanging on to them longer than they should be because they either A, can't be repaired or because there's such a demand for both used and new vehicles? Are we just seeing some of those cars stay on the street longer than normal? Yeah, there there are a lot of people that are repairing things that they wouldn't normally. Um, they they can't get a new car or a, or a good used car. So they're spending the money on the car that they have, which is kind of a trickle-down effect as well because now that we have part supply issues, can't fix the older cars. So people are having a tough time, and, and uh, it, so are businesses. There's a lot of businesses that I've talked to that uh, they, they've got their customers in rental cars and stuff like that, and it's just costing them a fortune because they can't get, get parts for these people's cars. Is it forcing consumers and business owners into some difficult decisions? We rode off a vehicle earlier, well, like late last year, early in the winter driving season, and we were told, (laughs) you've got this amount of time with the rental car through MPI. Once they make you an offer, if your car's written off, you've got only so long to uh, return that rental car, and then you need to find something else. Is it is it, as you mentioned, Trevor, sort of a, a spiraling situation where people are, are making decisions that, that they're used to maybe having a little bit longer to make? It is. Um, well, and, and or have the selection to make it quicker. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like if, you, if you've written off a small SUV and you get X amount of money from MPI for it, you can't just turn around and say, hey, Mr. Car Sales Guy, can I get that one uh, again? And, and he's going to say, no, we don't have it. And or it's four or $5,000 more than it used to be. Uh, it's just the, the supply chain on everything has is, is, uh, really suffered and, and not just in our industry. So, 
And with the cars that are you're having to you know have sit uh, in your you know in your workspace in your lot, it, it, does that end up creating any problems where you can't take in other cars because you just don't have room? It does. Um, we our, our employees are a little frustrated because they've got jobs that are, jobs that are sitting out back and and can't get finished. Uh, we've probably got thirty cars in our compound right now that are waiting for parts. Um, and and so the people that are driving around with say a broken headlight, if that headlight's still working, well, is it okay if we leave you in your car for now? Otherwise, it's just going to sit out back and you got nothing to drive. So uh, people are being very patient, um, but it does put a huge bottleneck on our on our uh, production. You mentioned uh, that this has been going on for months now. You know, it started the pandemic, of course. There were uh, issues in factories. Some factories had to change the way they were doing things. Parts couldn't get out. Then we know we had some shipping issues along the way. There was floods in BC. All sorts of different things have happened, Trevor. Do you have a sense that we're on the upswing now, like in terms of a return to normal, when that might be or what that might look like? I sure hope so. Um, I, I know that there was a few factories closed again last week due to uh due to some blockade stuff and and that won't help but uh you know hopefully everything is on the upswing people have kind of learned how to live with COVID I think now and and uh you know manage your business according to what's happening in it uh so hopefully the the supply chain starts uh starts moving stuff in again. Trevor Newdorf the owner of West Perimeter Auto Service joining us live on 680 CJOB. Trevor thank you very much for joining us we appreciate this. Thanks for having me. We're asking you to tell us about the unique ways the ones we love and miss still remind you that they're with us. And, uh, Loren, what does Janice have to say? Janice says, my mom passed away almost 27 years ago and my dad almost 15 years ago. There are a couple of songs that I linked to my parents and this one time I'm driving up the perimeter and old time rock and roll Bob Seger comes on and I'm like, hi, mom. Then immediately after that, only the good die young. Billy Joel came on and I said, hey, dad, and start crying my eyes out while driving on the perimeter. Janice, that's wonderful. Thank you for that. And uh, Greg, uh, there's a great story here on uh, a campsite. My mother-in-law passed away a few years back. My husband and I decided to get a seasonal campsite at her favorite campground and ended up getting her favorite site. This is one of her most cherished places full of friends and memories. We were already feeling nostalgic, but as my husband was backing our fifth wheel into the spot, he looked down at the site marker and leaning against the post was a Mickey of her favorite drink. <laughs> she was celebrating our return to her favorite place. It was Smirnoff vodka, by the way, uh, in case you're curious, uh, because I was curious <laughs> about that. So thank you for those stories. And we're getting a ton uh, more here. Loren, I see you flagged. Was it Michelle's story? Yeah, I'm just scrolling down here. There have been so many that have come in. So Michelle has a story about how she was, her mom was a big thrift shopper and she passed away January 20th, 2014. Four years later after her mom passed away, she says she's out thrifting with her daughter. She'd love to do cross stitch and sometimes you can find unopened kits. Michelle says, I was digging through a box and found the following instructions. So it's a cross stitch kit called My Little Girl and the name of the girl on the cross stitch kit was Michelle, which of course is the name of one of our listeners. Michelle says, I'm convinced she was standing by my side that day. She was my best friend and I miss her every day. Talk to them. 
They hear you. Have a beautiful day. It's time for the small town salute as we do every Thursday just after the 7:30 news and as we head into a long weekend. Ah, long weekend, yes. Of course, I mean it isn't that for everybody. Um, but you might be looking to get out of the city. Get outside, spend some time on your skis, your snowshoes, <laughs> your snowboard, or perhaps your snow machine. Yeah, we know that the city of Winnipeg is having a hard time storing all this white gold on our boulevards and elsewhere. For those of us with driveways and sidewalks to shovel, we are running out of places to put it all. But Loren, get this, when I spoke to our next guest yesterday, I couldn't believe it when she told me even they are having issues figuring out what to do with all of this snow. Yeah, they're out Highway 1 East near the Ontario border, which is where you find Falcon Ridge Ski Slopes. And our next guest, we want to say good morning to, and I'm sorry, Callie, is it Callie Christie or Kaylee Christie? It's Kaylee. Kaylee, perfect. No so thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for that. You know, obviously you rely on snow. Is there such a thing as too much snow for a ski hill? <laughs> well, I'm not going to say yes. I'm going to say <laughs> almost <laughs> No, we're we're very, very grateful for the snow, but it's true. When Greg called me uh, yesterday, I just, in that moment, I was like, I don't know what to do with all this snow because, uh, you know, with snow comes work and we're, we're, we've been working hard this year, um, not only to, to manage the snow, but also to manage the crowds that are coming out to, to use it, which is fantastic. I'm not complaining, not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Kaylee, if I want to come your way, what are the options for accommodation? And what if I don't snowboard or downhill ski? Are there, what, what, what can you get me doing? Well, uh, there's plenty out here to do in the white shelf. So for accommodations, um, right on site at the ski hill, we have uh, a fabulous resort, Falcon Trails Resort. Now, it has been very, very booked up since the pandemic started. So you really got to be organized if you want to get a cabin there or get on the cancellation list and be ready to act quickly when something comes up. But other than that, there's a lot of great options locally. Um, the Falcon Beach Ranch is a wonderful place to stay. It's only 15 minutes down the road from where we are. Beautiful log cabins right on the ranch there. There's Tall Pine Lodges in West Hawk Lake. Uh, couples Only Resort, also amazing. There's a, a few other places in West Hawk, CBC Cabins, Keystone Resort. Um, and beyond that, you can actually go to... Um, explorethewhiteshell.com and they have a whole listing of all the different accommodations in the area. I've stayed at Tall Pine. It's uh, fantastic. Uh, thanks mm -hmm. for reminding me of that. That's good times, Kaylee. So um, how do we connect with you? Well, you can uh, check out our website, uh, falconridgeski.com. We've got all of our information about rates and activities. I forgot to mention, too, like we are sold out for um, lift tickets for skiing and snowboarding this weekend. It's going to be a busy one, but we do still have lots of tubing available. So for people who don't, aren't into the skiing and snowboarding, come tubing. It's fabulous. It's easy. It's lazy. You get a lift that brings you up the hill. It's calm and enjoying on the way up. You get to see a beautiful view of the lake. And on the way down, down it's pure exhilaration and excitement. So. That's another activity you do. You can go skiing, um, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing. There's tons of the sledding trails are amazing this year. The snowmobiling trails. So come on out, enjoy the snow because it's not every year that we get such a such a wild one like this. And we gotta we gotta milk it while we can. 
Well, right on. That tubing sounds super fun, Kaylee. And uh, a little closer to the city, just outside the city limits on Highway 59 north of Winnipeg on the east side of the Red River Floodway, you can find more snow-oriented activities at Spring Hill Sports Park. Let's say good morning to uh, Vivian Julian. Good morning. Hi, Vivian. So how is the snow where you are? Uh, plentiful. We have lots as well. Um, it's It's been a great winter. Um, we, you know, always make all our own snow, but this definitely adds to uh, the pleasure for the skiers, the snowboarders, and the tubers. Yeah, so this is such a convenient spot, uh, Vivian, for so many of us in the city and surrounding areas. Uh, I, You know, I can sleep in my own bed without any difficulty. Tell us a, a, a little bit about what goes on at Spring Hill these days. Well, we um, are a lot like Falcon Ridge. We offer the same. Uh, we do the skiing, the snowboarding, um, and the tubing is always a big hit on the weekends. Um, people can come down and enjoy that. They book a two-hour time slot on our website and uh, come and enjoy that. And the same as Falcon Ridge, you relax, enjoy the tubing, get pulled up by the uh, lift. So it's, it's, an, it's fun. So I, I, I skied growing up. I like to ski. I love the tubing. My kids like to try the snowboarding whenever we can. So do you do lessons? Because if I want to join them, I don't really, I, I feel like I need a little bit of help before I head down the hill with them, Vivian. Yes, we do offer lessons. Um, and we try to um, get people to try a lesson before because we find that if they come and they have even a little bit of um, knowledge of how to do that sport, they will come again. So we do offer some well-priced lessons, um, and they they go over very well. We have some bunny hill areas that they can practice on, and everybody enjoys it that way. How do we get tickets for the different activities, Vivian? Our lift tickets for snowboarding um, and skiing are only available in person, and they are on a first-come first-serve basis. For tubing, it's a little bit different because we try not to overcrowd that area. We only have um, so many tubes, uh, so you must go online, purchase your um, pass online, and pick your time slot. And then that, that purchase is only for that specific time. Well, Vivian Julian from Spring Hill Sports Park, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. You're welcome. And Kaylee, over at uh, Falcon Ridge Ski Slopes. Kaylee Christie joining us live as well. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. I, you Have know, be- before we let you go, uh, Winter Olympics are on. Do, does, do you find that's giving a boost like with people you know, suddenly realizing that they want to try skiing or maybe haven't done it in a while? Yeah, probably. Certainly there's... Uh there is excitement in the air around some of our guests and I know we have a freestyle ski club with the kids and they're, they're, they're chatting about it every week and talking about it. So yeah, I definitely think it, 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 it sparks interest for sure. All right. Kaylee Christie from Falcon Ridge Ski Slopes and Vivian Julian from Spring Hill Sports Park joining us live on 680 CJOB for the small town salute. And it uh, sounds like a lot of fun, although it's, I, I got to mention this. I think I've told you guys this before. Uh, Spring Hill was the site uh, when I came down with... <laughs> When I was five years old, when I Scarlet came Scarlet Fever. Scarlet Fever. That's right. <laughs> My mom Is was... Is that still a thing? I Every time you tell that story, I want to Google Scarlet Fever. How old is Brett? Like, it sounds like such an old... 
I mean, I know you're younger than me, but you know, it's just it's a funny one. <laughs> the following weekend, I had scurvy. That's not ah. true. We spoke with Trevor Newdorf, and he gave us the inside scoop on what's going on at his facility at West Perimeter Auto Service, telling him that some of his customers are waiting weeks, if not months, for certain parts to complete repairs to their vehicles, whether they be mechanical or body repairs. And uh, this is something they've been experiencing for weeks and weeks, if not months, and almost two years. And so, uh, you know, there have been plenty of comments over the last uh, couple of weeks, either in conversations I'm having uh, with my friends and family, or even just on our text message line, we had uh, one listener a few days ago say that her daughter's been waiting for six days for MPI to pick up her undrivable vehicle. And I've also seen that report on social media from somebody that I know personally that's been waiting for a tow truck. So you combine the supply shortages and issues in the supply chain. And you add that with the fact that the price of used vehicles has probably never been higher and the availability of new cars has never been more difficult, at least in modern times. And you've got what Trevor called a perfect storm to be making some decisions under very stressful circumstances, Loren. Yeah, he talked about the fact that, you know, we have been talking for a while now about computer chips, different microchips rather that go in vehicles. That's an issue. But he also talked about just uh, the body shop parts, the things that, that, you know, you might have a dent and go to get the side fixed. And I'm, I don't know the terms, but the bumper or the panel or whatever. And, and there, there are shortages of all sorts of parts, which is leading some people to sort of hang on to their vehicles, older vehicles longer because either they can't get them repaired or they can't afford the, the used car right now. Here's a bit of what Trevor had to say. Um, we've seen weights on, on kind of weird stuff, uh, of up to six months. We've had vehicles that have sat, uh, and can't be put back together because they're integral parts, uh, that, that you can't get to unless you have the vehicle apart. Uh, and anywhere from three to four weeks is kind of the normal now. So it's getting, it used to be two to three days. For the cars that are having to sit for six months, what are those drivers doing in the interim? Well, we've supplied a few of our drivers with courtesy cars. Um, MPI has helped in certain part situations with rentals. Um, but a lot of our customers have just been super patient and, and uh, helped us out in a big way that way. So, We just got a text now, guys, from Ben, who said that he had his truck went in for a faulty drive shaft in mid-December. That part came in and he just got the truck back last week. So that sounds like that it would be an almost two-month wait to have that repair. Uh, we talked a bit about, Trevor said, you know, that there was, of course, issues with the pandemic and factories that had to change their shifts and do all sorts of different things to keep up with uh, public health orders. But then in the last couple of weeks, he also mentioned the blockade had impacted some parts issues coming from the states and then just overall the demand is there it's really high and and greg you were curious if that means people are just going to keep some of their old clunkers a little longer because of either the affordability issue or just the replacement issue or just the fact that it just makes more sense to do that right now
All right, now we want to continue the conversation about inflation as it pertains to food. and I, Or just, you know, I was at the grocery store just a couple of days ago, Loren, and I noticed some of the things that I buy are slowly going up in price, like the box of Kleenex that I get. And I just get, like, the generic brand, but it's mm-hmm. usually, I think, a dollar... Uh, I think a dollar thirty nine, and it's up to a dollar ninety nine now for a box. Uh, the bottle of pop that I get is going up. Uh, prices on seemingly everything in the store are going up here and there in sometimes small doses and sometimes much bigger. Yeah, yesterday, right around this time, we were sharing how inflation had hit the highest levels since nineteen ninety one. So it rose five point one percent in January. Of course, we don't need the statisticians in Stats Canada to tell us it's getting expensive out there. At least half of Canadians are living paycheck to paycheck. Times are tough. Back in September, that resulted in a first for Manitoba Harvest. 11,000 hampers were handed out that month. And since then, their numbers haven't dropped below 11,000. Vince Barletta is the president and CEO of Harvest and joins us now. Good morning, Vince. Hey, good morning, Loren. Thanks for taking the time. I, I want to learn more about that 11,000 mark. So you hit that back in September, and it's been five months straight of 11,000 hampers or more? Yeah, that's right. You know, we've really been seeing that record high level of demand since uh, since the fall. And uh, again, since September, uh, those inflation numbers that you were just talking about have continued to creep up to the point where this past month we've seen that inflation number now over five percent a 30-year high and of course uh, when it comes to the grocery store that inflation number is even higher 6.5 percent on food according to stats canada so when you're a low-income individual you're living on a fixed income a senior on a pension uh, on disability or in a low-wage job every dollar counts and uh, when groceries cost more it's tough to make the ends meet Vince, uh, that number is obviously uh, staggering from the outside. On the inside, what are you hearing? Where are these new clients coming from? Are they they people from walks of life or stations in life that maybe you've not seen before? Well, you know, we're continuing to get people, Greg, from all walks of life who need hampers and in communities all across the province, not just in Winnipeg, but in rural Manitoba, uh, in the north. Uh, in towns and cities all across the province. And uh, again, it's seniors, it's parents with children, and it's important to know those uh, over 11,000 hampers that Harvest put out the door in January, uh, that's serving over 30,000 people. And of those 30,000 people, over 12,000 were were children. And so we're talking about families who may be uh, low-wage earners or perhaps someone's recently lost a job or gone on disability or there's been some sort of hardship uh, where when they go to the grocery store, there just isn't enough money there uh, to pay for everything they need at the till for themselves and their uh, and their children. So it's people from all walks of life who may need uh, the support of Harvest. What are clients saying about what they're noticing in grocery stores? Well, they're noticing the same thing we all are. I mean, we all go out and buy groceries and we see whether it's the price of meat or the price of produce or really just about anything that you get uh, day to day. Uh, that those prices are going up and that's making it tough to get by. I mean, you got to remember that uh, here at Harvest, the, the vast, vast majority, almost 90% of people who use Harvest services have household incomes less than $20,000. Almost half of them household incomes less than $10,000. And when you're talking about those kinds of income levels, you're talking about people who may have 30 or $40 a week to pay for their groceries and other essentials. And you think about how far that would get you at your local Safeway or Superstore, and you can imagine how tough it is 
uh, for single individuals and for families to get by. So five straight months of serving 11,000 plus people, Vince, what's the need on your end? Is it, you know, in terms of donations, what can people do? Or is it volunteers that you're looking for right now? What, how can we help? Well, there's always three ways people can help the work of Harvest. One, of course, your donations of food, incredibly important. Put that tin in the bin, buy that uh, hamper package at your local grocery store. Uh, of course, donations of money to keep our trucks running and our building running. Uh, this this uh, cold weather we've had this winter has been really tough on our vehicles, and so uh, that's always a critical issue uh, as well, to have the funds to be able to run our trucks. And then, of course, uh, volunteering. And now that we're Uh, It looks like getting through this uh, last wave of Omicron, uh, we really do need volunteers back in the warehouse to pack the hampers and do all the other jobs. So uh, it's really easy to help. Check us out, harvestmanitoba.ca, or give us a call, 204-982-3663. Gee whiz, Vince, I hadn't even thought about some of your fixed costs going up. You know, you mentioned how cold it's been. So obviously you got giant doors for deliveries and for receiving product uh, that obviously are a challenge in this weather. And then you mentioned your trucks. The cost of fuel is at a record price. So that, so that fixed cost is uh, becoming a variable one for you. Oh, it's, it's huge, Greg. I mean, the cost of repairing vehicles, of gassing up uh, gas and diesel for our, uh, for our trucks, the cost of parts. Uh, all of these costs, and it's it's going up for businesses all over the province and all over the country, and and Harvest has been no exception. That's a huge part of one of the costs that we that we face, and we need uh, donor support. We need cash support to be able to keep those trucks running and the building running, and again, especially in the in the real tough winter temperatures that we've had this year. Vince Barletta, President and CEO of Manitoba Harvest, joining us live on the 680 CJOB. Vince, thank you. Thanks, guys. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 to share a story about the unique ways or maybe the freaky ways that the loved ones we miss still remind us that they're with us. And Gary weighing in saying, and he says, this story is a little raw, but worth sharing because my twin brother passed away just in October from a 12-year battle with brain cancer. Twins have a special bond and are much closer than just a brother or sister. And over the last five years, I would phone him every night and I would say, how are you tonight? And he would respond, finer than frog's hair. When we would hang up, I'd say, talk to you tomorrow. And he'd say, I'm looking forward to it already. That Sunday night when I called, he didn't answer as he had passed away. When I usually called, his wife wrapped up a gift that he was waiting for the right time to give to me. His wife had no idea where he bought these brightly colored socks, and he sent a picture of these snazzy socks. Gary, very colorful socks. I'm jealous. I need new socks. Um, And uh, she said that he was saving them to give me at the right time, so I have six pairs of the funkiest, cool socks I've ever seen, and I wear a pair once in a while, and I think I'll wear a pair into Winnipeg today. Gary, thank you for that. Um, just make sure you keep your toenails trimmed because you don't want to wreck those socks. I wreck all my all my nice socks because I let my toenail my big toenails grow too long. I've got the the box put the box cutter toenails. <laughs> There's a backup plan to that, Brett. Oh yeah. Uh, I always wear uh, sports socks, white socks underneath my dress socks. Oh yeah. A Two more comfortable. Of socks? 
<laughs> yes, more comfortable in the dress shoes because a lot of those fancy dancy socks are very thin yeah. and don't feel great on the uh, on the bottom of your feet. And uh, it also prevents what you were just talking about. There was those puncture wounds to the <laughs> to the toes of the socks. Puncture wound. I love it. Uh, uh, so keep those stories coming. Uh, wonderful story, Gary. Thank you very much for sharing and our condolences uh, to you for that. Now, the Emergencies Act, Loren, is now in force, as we've been discussing uh, for the last few days. But it must be debated and voted on in Parliament. Yeah, so that debate, it does begin today. And if you're looking for what's going on with the latest in Ottawa, we also know Ottawa police are out. There's more on the streets now looking to see what they can do or what they're going to be trying to do when it comes to either arresting protesters or moving those trucks away. But that debate is, of course, required by law as part of the oversight so no government can overreach its powers. They have to debate within seven days of invoking it. So the scope of those powers, as we all know, casts a wide net of criminal liability Global's David Aiken looks at what's being covered by this emergency order and how the debate is shaping up. Blockades or unlawful assemblies are prohibited at all border crossings, all airports, all harbors, ports, power stations, hospitals, and so on. An exhaustive list of infrastructure assets. Those who have gathered at the parliamentary precinct are now, by law, participating in an unlawful assembly and face increased fines, imprisonment, or other sanctions. And anyone thinking of joining the Ottawa protest this long weekend faces the same. And at worst... You may be tying yourself to dangerous criminal activity. It is also now illegal to bring a child to an unlawful assembly. And that's a big deal because lots of parents have already brought their kids to the Parliament Hill occupation and the presence of those children makes things a lot trickier for law enforcement. All of these Emergency Act provisions will automatically expire in 30 days, unless extended by the government. Notably, it will be up to local police forces, not politicians, to decide when and where an assembly or a blockade is unlawful. But that means the Emergencies Act could apply to blockades or protests in provinces such as Alberta and Quebec, where there are premiers who oppose the use of the Emergencies Act. Senators and MPs will debate and vote on these measures later this week. The Bloc Québécois and the Conservatives will vote against, hoping to end the measures. The Prime Minister has not provided any legal justification for the use of the Emergencies Act, a historic unfettered power grab. But the NDP are expected to vote in favour, agreeing with the Liberal rationale. The measures that we have brought forward are targeted, temporary and proportionate to the threat that exists in our country. Now, the vote in the Senate could be a bit of a wild card. In any event, as politicians begin to debate, it's worth noting that the only place right now in the entire country where there is an illegal blockade or protest subject to the Emergencies Act is right here on Parliament Hill. It uh, feels like it's impossible for politicians to stick to the facts, to have a debate without rhetoric, without name-calling, without trying to associate uh, one um, MP or another with one group or another and make blanket statements. And I think it just really does a disservice to the whole process, no matter what side of this debate you're on, whether or not this emergencies measure should be put in place or not. I would prefer that the rhetoric just stay out of the House of Commons, some decorum return. You know, the Prime Minister frustrates me 
on many levels. But when he starts trying to cast aspersions and paint all MPs on the other side of the house with the same brush, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's right when conservative MPs do the same thing to the prime minister. But the prime minister is the prime minister. He's the leader of the country. And he's got to have a thicker skin, in my opinion, on this stuff. And he needs to be able to say the things we need to hear with regard to these protests. Re-emphasize, in my opinion, the fact that you're entitled to this. We cherish this right under our, our the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Defend your right to peaceful protest. But there is a line, and we feel that line has been crossed in several circumstances. And this is why we're bringing this in with regard to our borders, with regard to David David Aiken using the word occupation in Ottawa. Yeah, maybe you could say a majority of people are peacefully protesting. But outline and say some people are not, and this is why we have to do what we need to do. And these are the things we hold dear as Canadians. And the fact that these people have been there for nearly three weeks now is proof positive that our democracy is strong, that your voices are being heard. Yeah, That's what I'd weeks. like to hear. It would be three weeks tomorrow on that motion that has now been tabled for this Emergencies Act and that debate's going to begin today. It can go, I mean, it does. I don't know what the end game is for it. It can go, quote, without interruption until the vote is ready to be called. So that's when the list of speakers has been exhausted. And so, first of all, there's a lot of people who have been saying, what are they going to come to the House with? Are we actually going to hear some specifics as to why they say this is necessary? Not just that we want to end the blockade and we want to get people off Parliament Hill and we want to remove them from the area. What are your reasons why you can't already do that with the current police powers that exist before invoking this act? Why can't, why can't it just happen right now? As I said, as we speak, Ottawa police are amassing in larger numbers in downtown Ottawa, in Centertown, Ottawa, to try to remove some of these protesters and trucks. If they can do that right now with the existing powers in place, then does it make sense for this debate to even be happening? And then beyond that, how long can this debate go on? I mean, are they going to talk for days? If the NDP are going to side with the Liberals and no Liberals vote against the Prime Minister's motion, then this passes and this continues. And we have then we have this emergency act in place. But again, to David's point, it's really just an Ottawa crisis at this moment. There's bigger issues at play. We need to have bigger conversations about the blockades, how they went on for so long, that they need to be removed or stand down or whatnot. And yes, there's that group outside the ledge as well, Brett, but the biggest issue appears to be in Ottawa at this moment, and I don't know where this goes now. Yeah, indeed, the group that remains outside the Manitoba legislative grounds, uh, they they still have a fairly large footprint, but the, the honking has significantly reduced uh, so I can at least kind of maintain my sanity living not far from that uh, protest but who knows how long they are going to remain I know that some of the members some of the organizers have left uh, but uh, some are going to hold the line so to speak As uh, we mentioned, last half hour, police are starting to close in on the demonstrators in Ottawa who have occupied and immobilized much of the parliamentary district for almost three weeks. Uh, Loren, they're putting up fencing. 
Yeah, I'm looking at some video that was just posted on Twitter by a, a freelance producer for Global National, David Baxter. He's posted up some fencing going up around Parliament. He's reporting that there's also some fencing going up around the Senate as well. And of course, over the past couple of weeks, we've played some stories from Sean O'Shea, who's based out of Toronto, but he's been working in Ottawa covering these protests. He just posted some images of a, a far greater police presence on the street, but says so far they don't appear to be moving in a coordinated effort like they did when Windsor police were removing protesters from the Ambassador Bridge uh, over the weekend. And so stay tuned. It looks like there's definitely more police on the streets. What happens next? In terms of a time frame isn't clear. We know the police have come out twice now. They had a letter to protesters yesterday and then a bit more stern one today indicating that they would be moving in and making arrests where necessary and, and removing vehicles if they had to. Yeah, this is interesting seeing the this uh, fencing going up in Ottawa. Hopefully, and it, hopefully they, it isn't needed to prevent you know a possible surge onto the hill by demonstrators. And again, our question of the day at cjob.com has to do with this very thing: the the Emergencies Act debate that's happening today. What would you like to see happen? Protests end peacefully. Protesters get arrested if they don't leave, or Parliament should just vote it down and find another way. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. Now, we mentioned the Foo Fighters tickets that we want to give away in our next segment based on um, your texts about the unique ways that uh, the loved ones we miss uh, re- still remind us that they're with us. And, uh, Greg, it's going to be almost impossible to pick a winner this morning. Oh, no kidding, Brett. We need a virtual hat with virtual numbers and just sort of randomly pick one out of oh, probably 25 to 30 that, oh my goodness, have, have blown us away. And we appreciate you sharing these memories with us, these experiences. Uh, Kevin saying that it's a that, that the topic sucks today. It's sad. Like minus 43 degree weather. And I got a text message from one of my friends. Mackling, what are you trying to do to me? I, I got work to do today. But Brett, you pointed out this is also therapeutic for a lot of us. And so we got to balancing that out best we can. And Louise says, when my mom passed away in 2013, I mixed her ashes with my dad's who passed away in 2001. I spread them along the trees on a path around my yard that they both admired. The following spring, as I was walking along that path, listening to my song list on my cell phone, their favorite song played, and in particular, the specific part, the guitar solo in Darlin' by Tom Jones. I really felt their presence. A few days later, as I walked by them, that same song played again, the exact same part of the song. I truly felt mom and dad were thanking me for setting them free in that lovely spot. So heartwarming. Thank you, Louise, for sharing that with us. I think it's just wonderful the things that can happen and, and the signs that you might get. And also, sure, it might just be that you that feels that or sees that, but it's important to have the, as we've said, the light in the darkness, right? And Crystal texted earlier to say her neighbor was the 88th soldier killed in Afghanistan two years after he died. She moved into another apartment. I parked in stall 25. The lines and parking stall numbers were being repainted. On the second anniversary of his death, her parking stall was renumbered from 25 to 88. She says, I know James is still around and letting us know that he's here. Why would it go from 25 to 88, right? Just things happen and sometimes there's no explanation for them. Wow. And Gary, uh, we told Gary's story last half hour and he just, he followed up 
with uh, with a, just a thought. He said, um, I love how your show is real and allows us a chance to share. It makes food for the soul. And we do appreciate this topic today because we know it can be difficult uh, for for many of us who have lost loved ones but we appreciate these uh, these stories are, are bringing us some some they're warming our hearts and they're bringing us some inspiration and we thank you for as always for letting us you know giving us a peek into your world uh, because you're a huge part of what we do and we, we feel like it's a family and we know that we sometimes have squabbles on our text line at 204-780-6868 in particular the last three weeks <laughs> there have been uh, one, or, uh, one or two squabbles on our text line but uh, for the most part it's it's fairly civilized and we appreciate these little diversions in the meantime that help us get through the days Right now we've got those Foo Fighters tickets to give away. September 21st, Canada Life Centre. And we're asking you to share with us the unique ways that the loved ones we've lost remind us that they're still with us and uh, bring some joy into our lives in unexpected ways. Uh, Loren, Lana, just just got in. She's one of our runners-up. Uh, so many great stories today. Yeah, Lana says, my mom passed away seven years ago this month. She used to go to the little corner neighborhood restaurant in the mornings to have coffee and toast and meet some of the ladies and gentlemen in the neighborhood to get her day off to a good start. She liked to order her toast burnt, and I used to tell her mom, one of these days, so-and-so, I'm not going to mention his name as he was the owner of the restaurant, is going to kick you out because it always made him angry that she ordered her toast well done. Well, sure enough, one day my mom comes home and laughs and says... So-and-so kicked me out of this restaurant today when I ordered my toast burnt and told me not to come back. We laughed and cried a little because it was completely unnecessary for him to act that way towards her. Anyway, at her internment, I told the story about her being kicked out for ordering burnt toast. A few days after her funeral, I was standing at my kitchen counter making breakfast with my husband, and I've got bread in the toaster, and next thing you know, it's smoking all over the place. I popped the toast. It's burnt black. We all looked up at the ceiling and said, Hi, Mom. <laughs> Ever since then, we've known that if we burn toast in the house, it's Mom doing a flyby. And Lana says they actually, she never burned toast before that. And so she really believes that when that happens, Mom's just saying hello. This is, it's so unbelievable. We had Tish saying, talking about two little birds that uh, visit her outside her window. Uh, she th- says those are her brothers paying her a visit. Kevin, the garbage man, says when he sees a snowy owl, that's his dad. And when he sees a little sparrow, that's his mom. Um, so that's uh, wonderful. Greg, uh, what you got? I got uh, Maureen says, some time ago, my mom passed away, and Maureen spells mum, M-U-M, like we do in our family, and I was at the florist to buy the flowers. I asked if they could put forget-me-nots in the arrangement. The clerk said that was an annual flower, usually grown from seed, so something else was chosen. Weeks after the funeral, I was packing up the canned and packaged food to donate to Winnipeg Harvest. As I reached into the cupboard, I noticed an envelope in the shelf. As I turned it over, yep, it was a package of seeds. Forget-me-nots. Oh, that's that's unique and interesting. Thank you very much for that, Maureen. Uh, Our winner is Dan. And uh, first of all, I want to salute Dan because he typed out the text and then he resent it and he added at the beginning of his text, corrected grammar. <laughs> yeah, so- <laughs> bugged him, right? He's like, I can't send. I can get, I gotta do this again. So Dan says, my story of a loved one 
uh, actually involves this very radio station, 680 CJOB, and my brother winning Guns N' Roses tickets. So the night before my mother, or pardon me, the night before my brother uh, won the tickets, I had a dream that my brother's house was on fire. So I called, and my mother answered, and my mother at that time had been deceased for three years. So in shock of hearing my mother's voice, I hung up, only to be instantly awoken by my daughter standing in my doorway, which freaked me out. So the next day was a Friday. CJOB was giving away the final pair of Guns N' Roses tickets, and I believe this was on the news with Rich and Julie based on the kind of contest that they won here. So I told my brother about my dream and that this was a sign that we were going to win. So my brother and I, turns out, we were two of the five callers to give our best Tarzan yell. What are the odds that we were two of the five callers? Uh, so then it just it came down to myself, my brother, and another lady at the end of the day. My brother won, but I honestly believe that my dream about my mom on the phone won us those phone-in tickets. She was watching over us and got us to GNR. So, Dan, great story. Thanks to all for sharing. We really, really appreciate it. So, Dan, uh, you got GNR tickets previously. Now you're going to Foo Fighters. Congratulations. Enjoy the show. Sorry, I'm trying not to giggle here. Loren just sent me a text, and I'm... <laughs> I'll, I'll answer your text shortly, Loren. Answer the question, Brett. This has nothing to do with our listening audience, nothing to do with the show. But I had a question for Brett that I have noticed he's not answering. And so... <laughs> anyway, sorry. I just had to explain why I was kind of stumbling there because I'm trying not to giggle. Um, I like to play Brett's older sister for those who don't know that out there because I'm four months older than Brett. So whenever he starts dating someone or, you know, maybe I feel like you are, you need to have a salad in your life or something, I like to hammer you with older sister texts. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it, <laughs> it begins tomorrow and runs through until Sunday at the RBC Convention Center. It is the Winnipeg Renovation Show. Oh, and so many people renovating this time of year, right? We actually had to, because of a flood insurance issue, replace our floor. And of course, once you start doing that, you think, I should paint. And then once you start painting, you think, I wonder what this headboard would look like if it's a different color. And next thing you know, your husband's running out of... And never coming back. No, I'm kidding on that part. But Renos, we've a lot of been, <laughs> us have been doing them this year, Greg. Well, yeah, and I, I have a question, Loren. Have you had the discussion of love it or list it, or are you just staying put? Well, it's funny because we, you know, you talk. People talk all the time about where would you live and moving and all the rest. And then once you spruce up your house a bit, you do think to yourself, "Huh, it's never looked better. Should you list it?" But I love it right now, so. <laughs> well, I can't add our, any more our, to the insanity around here. No, our neighbors always get, get a little panic when we start doing uh, renovations around here. They want to know if we're moving. And this show, I have to admit, gets my idea train rolling. I see things I wish I had included in my last project or it gets me planning my, my next one. Plain and simple, it is danger for me, for my imagination and potentially the bank account. But I love it, just like I love the show. Our next guest co-hosts, it's Love It or List It, Vancouver, and HGTV Mainstay. Let's say good morning to Todd Talbot. Morning, Todd. How you doing? Doing all right. Now, you'll, I resisted the urge to get a jab in on behalf of Jillian Harris, your co-host, but it's decided but not I'm, to say something like, what's that? 
I'm used to it. Jab away. <laughs> okay, so uh, okay, uh, so uh, my original intro was going to be uh, my favorite host from Love It or List It, Vancouver, is not coming to Winnipeg this weekend, but Todd Talbot is. Whoa! Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. I mean, listen, behind the scenes, the guy carrying the show, you know, has to bear that burden, and and it's okay if you don't recognize it. <laughs> How much fun do you guys have working together, Todd? It, it really is uh, such a critical piece of that show working. Well, I was listening to you guys talk before about uh, this brother-sister relationship, and and ultimately that's kind of the, the roles that we fell into. You know, we, we get along great. Uh, we have great respect for each other, and yet um, we love making fun of each other, and, um, and neither one of us takes it. Uh, personally, which is the key component, because if you do, that's eight long years of uh, of not wanting to stand beside somebody. But it was great. Yeah, that's fair. You have to you have to make those jabs and then move on. Sometimes I think Todd, and that's part of the thing that makes the show fun to watch because people can relate to that. And Renos, of course, can you know even the best of couples or relationships or whatnot can really be. Um, I don't want to say brought down by a renovation, but I'm sure you've seen in your time working with people that a reno can really be taxing on a lot of people. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I think people underestimate the stress that it puts people under. Uh, you know, in all seriousness, it 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 affects everybody in the family, and and I can speak to this firsthand. We we have a slight addiction to the renovation and moving and building. Um, and so we, we feel like as a family, we're always in either the conversation of or the actual working of it. And, um, and it does. It takes a toll. Our kids are 9 and 11, or sorry, they're 10 and 12. And, um, and you know, the, it affects them as well. Well, I mean, that's got to be tough, right? Because if that's your passion, of course you want to do it more. Like, I, I love golfing during the summer. So for about six months, seven months a year, it's basically all I think about. Um, so and I, just, I can't just turn it off. And in your case, if that's your passion, how are you supposed to turn that off? I, I totally agree. By the way, golf uh, um, has its impact on relationships as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. The, uh, you know, the the renovation show, uh, by the way, minus 34. I was listening to you guys before it came on here. Minus 34. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's cool. There's two things that people love talking about in this country. The weather, which I will not be talking about, and then renovating your home and real estate and talking about prices and what people should do. It's why HGTV is so popular because, you know, people are constantly thinking about um, you know the project that they've got in front of them, how to tackle it, and it's and it can be daunting. So we're gonna we're gonna unpack all of that this weekend, Friday and Saturday. I'm there, and um, and hopefully give some people uh, some insight into you know how to navigate those uh, those renovations. Todd, Vancouver is obviously one of the most beautiful cities in the world. The price of real estate there is beyond comprehension for many of us on the prairies. I lived in in Vernon, BC, for years and. And that was, gosh, that's going back 25 years. And already things seemed out of hand, not only in Vancouver, but in the Okanagan. Help us understand mm -hmm. these prices that, that we see and, and how outdated the old episodes that are maybe only a couple of years old from Vancouver are already look like a bargain. Some of these places oh, that, yeah. that you've sold. 
Yeah, I get messages on social media asking me like about the the prices that they see on television, and obviously, you know, once you record the episode, they're not going back and changing market value. Um, and yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, we've seen it across the country, but particularly in Vancouver, um, the skyrocketing real estate prices here are. You know, you said help me understand it, and I think even for people who are in the industry and understanding it and buying and selling real estate all the time, we still scratch our heads. In fact, I'm putting my house on the market tomorrow. The sign goes up. I'm I'm flying to Winnipeg and I'm selling my house. Uh, My family doesn't know yet, so it'll be a big surprise. But, uh, you know, it's really really hard to not only understand why the prices are so high, but more importantly, how do families and people – stay in Vancouver without being buried by mortgages that are so high that it impacts the rest of their life or they have to actually leave the city. And, um, and it's, a, it's a serious problem uh, that we have here, but it spans all across the country. Um, and there are, I mean, there's lots of conversations going on about what we can do to, to um, you know, try and tackle this problem. And, and one of the issues that we have here is the single-family home idea. We have, you know, over 80% of the land that we have has single-family homes on it, and that is simply unsustainable in this city. Um, we need new, creative ways to um, get more people into a smaller smaller area, and, and that's confrontational to a lot of people, but the reality is, is it will just be out of reach for so many people. Um, so we're going to need to get creative and and the city is doing that. The province is doing that. But uh, it's slow. Well, when you talk about that, Todd, there's, you know, this idea that you don't need the space that you once thought you're supposed to have. Or you maybe don't need the yard that you once thought you had. Or you, we just have to rethink or reevaluate our expectations. And so with that, you might be looking at there's all sorts of great shows, yours included, that show what you can do with a smaller space and how you can make a difference with your yard if it's not this huge yard you can still do a lot with it and so when it comes to the renovation show this weekend are you hearing from more people that are looking to spruce up what they have and stay rather than renovate and leave you know what it's it's always both which is which is a lame answer i guess but um there's definitely the people in the camp of renovating and staying and and um and using the space that they have I think the pandemic has shown us that we need to be smarter with with our space, and and we're seeing things shift in terms of how people are using their homes. Uh, you know, we went through a long, long trend of super open concept, and I think especially over the last couple of years, we've seen people realize, well, wait a second, some delineation in space, some some ability to have some separation from the kids who are trying to do their homework, noise, all of those types of things. So, you know, people are exploring those things. I think people are making their spaces more personalized. You know, they're realizing, wait a second, we're spending a lot of time here and we're not going to just try and renovate our space so it looks like a renovation on TV. We're really going to get in touch with what we love. And if that means bring some color into it or, you know, what, whatever it is that makes you happy, I think that that has definitely drifted to the top of the list. Um, in terms of people moving, I mean, one of the things that we've seen is people uh, looking for uh, an opportunity maybe to cash out of the city and move out to smaller areas. And this work from home 
um, trend um, has definitely made that possible. So people are moving to what used to be recreational property and is now becoming uh, full-time residents. Um, So it's all over the map and we're going to get into this at the, at the show. Um, I'm fascinated by it. I, I, I just love this conversation. Uh, don't tell the show, but I would come and do it for free anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great conversation to have. And, and there'll be lots of opportunity for people to ask their own questions, too, because everyone wants to you know, dig into their own process and what they're thinking. Friday, February 18th, that's tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, and Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m., Todd Talbot, in person, Winnipeg renovation show that gets underway tomorrow at the RBC Convention Centre. Todd, this was a terrific visit. We appreciate you, and uh, no hard feelings on the introduction, and uh, let's do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to coming to Winnipeg. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.